Lord, we thank you for another chance to get in your word, uh, to discuss worship and, and, and what it means and, and what your heart is um, for us in it. God, I pray that your spirit would move, that you would speak to us. God, that you would challenge us in our lives, Lord, that uh, we would have worshipful lifestyles, uh, God, that it wouldn't just be um, uh, an event, Lord, but it would be part of us. God, so I pray that you would encourage each and every one of us to, to, to not just learn, but uh, apply something uh, that we get out of this study. We love you. In your name, amen. All right. Um, so <clears throat> I listened to Kevin's last teaching on worship. It was great. He talked uh, really uh, a lot about the Hebrew, went into Deuteronomy, some different things all over the place. We're going to talk about some of those same scriptures, specifically John chapter 4. We'll get there in a little bit, but I want to start off in one verse, Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 okay speaking of christ says this for by him all things were created that are in heaven and there that are and and that are on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers all things were created through him and for him we see jesus christ he created all things both on earth and on heaven, and all things were created for him, specifically to glorify him. And you look at God's creation, both on earth and in heaven, that's ultimately what God's creation was created for. If you look back to the beginning with Genesis, Adam was created in the image of God, and he had a responsibility to what? To serve God. And we'll discuss how service is a type of worship. In fact, the same word for service in, in worship in the Greek is the same thing. It's latreo. We'll get into it in a little bit. But we see from the beginning of Genesis with Adam from the beginning, he was called, he was created to worship God through service. And even in the end with revelation, when we look at the church and its eternal state, they're doing what? They're worshiping God. So we see throughout past, present, future, all of God's creation has been created specifically to worship Him. But we know that not all God's creation worship Him, right? Only the ones that respond to God's calling are those that choose to actually worship Him. And we see for us, for the believer, we've been chosen by God specifically for worship. If you would, with me, 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says this, But you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Look at the context in which Peter is speaking. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. The emphasis on that. Your special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and brought you into his marvelous light. He, he's telling us this is a gift. <laughs> like the fact that God chose us to, to praise him, 
to worship him. It's a gift for us. And sometimes we don't always consider that, that it's an opportunity. It's a privilege, but he's chosen us specifically for that to worship him. And we will get into uh, what worship is. Uh, we'll focus a little more on the Greek. We'll look at a little Old Testament, but we'll be primarily in New Testament. Uh, there's three words for worship in the Greek. If I say I'm wrong, I didn't listen to him in a little bit, so don't judge me, okay? Okay, so you have proskuneu, okay? That's the, that's the primary word that's used for worship in the Greek, and it literally means to fall down before and pay homage to, to kiss one's feet as an act of reverence, okay? And there's some other words there, but this word, proskuneu, is the word that's used most. It's used 59 times in the New Testament. Okay, so this is the main word that we're looking at when we look at worship. Uh, but we also see these two other words, uh, sebomai, okay, that's S-E-B-O-M-A-I. That means to revere, hold in awe, uh, uh, like the fear of the Lord, that respect, that reverence. That's used 10 times in the New Testament. Uh, and then you have this word letreu. Uh, that means to serve. That's used 21 times in the New Testament. We're going to look at specifically the proskuneo and, and the letreo, uh, those words, because those are the primary words that are used in the New Testament. Uh, we won't get too much in the Old Testament. Um, I feel like Kevin did a pretty good job of that uh, already. So uh, when we look at the word proskuneo, uh, it, it, it typically relates to the worship that was happening in the temple. Okay, worship, it revolved around the temple in that time period. It was the place where people came to worship God. Sorry, I got distracted by this thing. I was like, what is, what is cool? Is that the quote for foundations? Yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> I'm like, what are you guys looking at? Am I missing something here? <laughs> Uh, so we see in the in the time period of Jesus Christ, and even in the past, um, Israel often fell into this place that they were misusing the temple. We see that's one of the things that uh, God uh, uh, judges them uh, for. They were literally worshiping idols in the temple, and that was a piece of the judgment of the Babylonian exile and, and how God had the temple destroyed uh, by, by the Babylonians. So we see the... The, the Israelites, they constantly fell into this bad habit of misusing the temple, the place that was supposed to represent God. We see that again in the New Testament. Uh, if you would with me, in Mark chapter 11, uh, this is the second time the Lord cleanses the temple. Uh, and we were just teaching on this, so this should be fresh um, in, in Matthew's uh, account of it. But this is what happens. Mark chapter 11, verse 15. So they came to Jerusalem... Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. You guys know the story. We were just talking about this. Uh, they were using the temple as a place of business and they were actually preventing people uh, from worshiping in the temple because they were overcharging for sacrifices. Okay, then it says in verse 17, then he taught saying to them, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den 
of thieves. See, the Lord, his purpose in cleansing the temple, amongst other things, was so that the people could come to pray to God, so that they could truly worship God, that they could seek God. And the religious leaders and the businessmen were, were preventing that from happening. They were preventing the, the worship of God from happening in the place where they were called to worship. So we see throughout the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament that the temple was that place where people came to commune with God. But we see Jesus, he's going to redefine the place of worship, okay? If you look at John chapter 4, John chapter 4, verse 21, this is the story Jesus and the Samaritan woman, he has this encounter with her. He exposes her for her sins, but he doesn't just expose her uh, and and show her the problem. He points her to the solution and the solution, it's worship. And look, Jesus clarifies in John chapter four, verse 21, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth for the father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Okay, we're going to cover a decent portion of this, but I want you to look back at verse 21 again. Okay, it says there's coming a time, okay, the hour is coming, you will neither go on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. What is he talking about? He's switching up the place of worship. The, the worship isn't just a place. We're not just worshiping at a place. We're worshiping a person. And what's really interesting, if you look over one page, maybe two, in John chapter one, we see Jesus as he was defining in John chapter four, worship is no longer about a place. It's about a person in John chapter one, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Sure, you've heard this before, but that word dwelt there means literally tabernacled. Okay, Jesus tabernacled among us, meaning God came and he wore flesh as a tabernacle, as a moving temple. And you remember before we had Solomon's temple, uh, we had the tabernacle, right? And the tabernacle would um, would would get packed up as the Lord departed in his glory. He would direct the Israelites through the wilderness. They would pack up the tabernacle and move forward. Why? Because God's not bound to a place. Okay, but they would move this place because this place symbolizes uh, the tabernacle in heaven and and so many different things. But the Lord, uh, in the very beginning, John is making it clear that that the worship of God, it's it's not just about a place. It's about a person and Jesus. He wore that tabernacle as human flesh so that all could worship him wherever they went. That's where he's talking about. Hey, it's not going to be on this mountain. It's not going to be in Jerusalem. Jesus, he's going to redefine uh, the place of worship so we see jesus he tabernacled uh, among us but then later we see after the resurrection he did what he sent us the holy spirit he literally comes and he lives inside of us 
again, furthering that redefinition of, of where worship actually happens. And we see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Um, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirits, which are God's. See, just as Jesus taper, tabernacled among us, he was giving us a picture of what we were going to be like after he resurrected. See, now we have the spirit of the living God living inside us. So we actually are the place of worship. We literally are the place of worship. Our bodies as the temple of the Holy Spirit, yes, it's good to come and fellowship and, and worship together. There's plenty of scriptures about that, but literally, we, we need no place. God lives inside us. We can literally worship God wherever we go, whatever we want. We don't need someone else. We can worship God solo uh, by ourselves because the Spirit of God, He dwells in us, but Jesus, he doesn't only uh, redefine the place of worship; he redefines the way of worship. If you look back at John chapter four, John chapter four, should have told you to hold your place. I didn't hold mine either. John chapter four, same conversation. He tells this woman as he redefines the place, no longer in in Jerusalem, no longer on this mountain. He, he, he tells her that God's looking for uh, true worshipers. And then he explains what that means. In John chapter 4, verse 24, God is spirit. And those who, who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Okay, Worship him in spirit and in truth. It means that we're connecting with God in, in our spirits, the innermost part of our being. But we have to remember this too. When we come to salvation, the Lord fills us with the Holy Spirit. Specifically in context, it's talking about our spirit. But the Spirit of God, He comes and lives inside of us. So when you think about it this way, the purest form of worship is when the Spirit of God is worshiping through us. It's a crazy thing to think about, but it's literally God living inside us, God the Holy Spirit living inside us, worshiping God the Father outside of us, if you will, okay? Um, generally, it's that innermost part of our being, but on top of it, again, we have the Spirit of God living inside of us. It's not just our spirit, but he says worship in spirit, but also worship in truth. What does that mean, worship in truth? Someone tell me. What does it mean to worship in truth? Why is he saying that? Geo. Um, I don't know. All that comes to mind is basically like God is truth. Yeah. And so when we worship in truth, we're basically worshiping God it's, and um, Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, Jesus said he's the way, the truth, right? Um, so yeah, that's right in line. But we also know that Jesus is the word. He's the truth and he's the word. So really what he's saying is uh, we're worshiping the God that's revealed through the truth of the scriptures. We're not worshiping a God that we've like created in our mind or a God that we've imagined, but, but we're worshiping God in truth. Yeah, Jesus is the truth. 
And he is the word of God. So we find the truth about God through the word. And, and you'll see as you grow in your relationship, I notice this uh, quite often, actually. It's like I have a firmer and firmer grasp, though we can't completely grasp God, but, but a firmer grasp of who God is as he's revealed himself through the truth of his word. So we're not worshiping a God that we have false expectations with. Okay, remember, uh, we were talking about this a few weeks ago. When uh, when Jesus entered into Jerusalem and they were going, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us now. Right. And what were they expecting? What were they expecting? Yeah, they were expecting a king. But what kind of king? Right, right. A conquer, save us. They weren't saying, uh, save us from sin. They were saying, save us from the Roman rule. We don't want to be under them anymore. So we see those people, they had these false expectations about Jesus, right? They were worshiping him in that moment, but they weren't worshiping him in truth. Why? Because they expected him to do something that he wasn't going to do. They had false expectations. So what happens when they disappoint him? Crucify him, <laughs> crucify him. Literally, why? Because they weren't worshiping God in truth. If they would have known the scriptures, see, they're focused on the scriptures that are talking about a second coming, but there's just as many scriptures that talk about his first coming as the suffering servant. If they would have known the truth about him, about the Messiah, both first and second coming, and been able to decipher the difference, then they would have been able to worship him with truth. in truth. Then they would have been able to stick with him. But because they had cloudy vision, if you will, of the truth, they didn't worship Jesus in truth. And so they say, Hosanna, Hosanna. And later on, a few days later, five days later, crucify him, crucify him. That's why it's so important for us to worship, not just in spirit, but in truth, because often we have false expectations about God. Uh, I expect you to do this certain thing in my life. I expect you to deliver me from this tribulation. It could happen, but it might not. When we have these false expectations, uh, and they don't line up with the word of God, then we're going to be disappointed, okay? Then we're worshiping a God that's not the God that's been revealed through the scriptures, but some God that we've created based on our experiences or, or something else that we've learned. So important to do both. Worship in spirit, the innermost part of us, but also the Holy Spirit living inside of us, worshiping God through us, and, and in truth. These things are so important. Jesus, uh, not that these things weren't prevalent before Jesus said that, but Jesus is just giving super... It just extra clarity about what worship is always really uh, supposed to be. Okay, he says, worship in spirit and in truth. See, the word of God, it, it reveals the truth about God. Um, Jaden, look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Colossians three sixteen. you can read it whenever you get there. Can you read that little Bible? Yeah. <laughs> like a pocket Bible. Colossians 16, yeah. Colossians 3, 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and Okay, you see what we see there? And the word for worship is different than the word for singing. 
Okay, uh, but we see he says, let the word of God dwell in you richly. Okay, and, and he talks about teaching, he stop, talks about admonishing, and then what does he talk about? Singing. Why? Because when the word of God dwells in us richly, meaning we're studying to show ourselves approved, we're seeking God in his word, and the word of God is literally uh, going from the outside in and then the inside out, it leads us to a place of what? Worship. It leads us to a place of singing. As we seek the Lord in his word, it impacts us from the inside out so as the word of god is indwelling in us as we're seeking it as we're pursuing it it will lead just as he's saying to singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs as we learn the truth about christ we can't help but worship him the more we know him the more we understand him the more we seek the truth about him it leads us to that place of singing that's uh, paul he makes that connection it leads to these places teaching admonishing and then singing, that's what the truth of the scriptures does because it reveals how good God is. If you look at Psalm 95, piggybacking off this singing thing, in Psalm, sorry, Psalm 95, verse 1, says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord, let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Okay, see, we're called to sing to the Lord. Now, singing and worship, okay, you can worship through the form of singing, but, but singing always isn't technically worship. When we look at the, 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 the Greek and the Hebrew words, it's not the same words that are used. We can worship the Lord through singing, and I think, I think it's really important to do that, that we would worship the Lord with our lips, okay? Specifically, uh, we'll look at a, a Greek word for, for praise. And, and sometimes uh, we use the singing and praise word um, for our definition of worship, okay? Um, but worship is something like to the next level. Okay, we, those things are involved with worship. Uh, singing can be involved with worship. Praise can be involved with worship. But worship is like that full on, complete devotion to God. Every bit of us, heart, soul, mind, and strength, lips, lives, everything. Okay, but I want to focus on this worshiping with our lips thing because I think it's important. Um, there's about 10 words for praise. Uh, in the Greek, um, and different variations of some of the same words. Um, but there's, there's two, um, one actually that we'll talk about, uh, anesis, okay, anesis. And this is this word here. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 13, in Hebrews chapter 13, we see the author of Hebrews, whoever it may be, says this. In Hebrews chapter 13, Verse 15, he says, therefore, by him, let us continually offer of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. That word praise is that Anisi's word. I'm probably saying it wrong. Um, Lord, forgive me. <laughs> but we see that this is something commendable. This is something that God desires, that it wouldn't just be um, uh, a worship of the, the bowing down, and we'll get into that, but he does desire us to, to sacrifice our lips, to give thanks to him, to sing to him, all these different things. He desires his creation, yes, to cry out to him, to, to sing to him. You remember what he says in Matthew chapter 19, uh, verse 40, right after he entered, entered sorry, Luke nineteen forty. You can just write it down. Um, he says, if these don't cry out, then the rocks will cry out. 
If these don't praise me, if these don't sing to me, if these don't worship me, then, then the rocks are. Meaning, my creation is going to worship me one way or another. My people might not recognize me as their king, but the rocks do. And that's like kind of embarrassing, but it's true though. The, the Lord desires that his creation in its entirety, uh, will worship him. So we are called to praise the Lord with our lips. And I just want to talk about that for a little bit. Cause I know that's what we usually think about. We're going to get into, uh, really one one main other thing but but the worshiping the singing to god like the the praising god with our lips thing and it can really praise could be thanks uh but i want to really consider in, in your lives i want you to consider um what your worship spiritual discipline actually looks like now specifically in context we're going to get to the other meanings of, of worship but the singing thing like do you do that on your own do you just like sing to the Lord during when we have worship sets? Of course, we didn't have one today during the worship thing, but, uh, but, but is that the only time do you do that, that, that you do it? Or do you find yourself desiring to sing to the Lord? Yeah? Yeah? Is it like something that you're embarrassed about or is it something that like you're comfortable with? I hear Whitney back there. She's completely comfortable with it. I know she is because I can hear and that's not to, uh, make fun or embarrass. I'm commending. That's a good thing. Like that we would have the boldness, the confidence to sing out to God. Like, do you ever have a lot of times I'll wake up in the morning. Most mornings I'll literally wake up with the worship song on my heart and in my mind, like for real, just wanting for, I don't know where it comes from, whether it's a dream or whatever. I think the Lord just gives it to me. It's like, I'll wake up with this song in my mind, this worship song. And it's crazy. And I'm in the shower and I'm like, Wow, where is this coming from? And I'll sing. I'll literally sing to the Lord in the shower. See, worship, I used to get like really weird about it, embarrassed. Like, I don't want people hearing me sing. Like, I can't sing, first of all. Uh, and now I'm singing to, uh, singing to this God that I just met, especially in the beginning uh, of my walk. But it's such a, a powerful thing, specifically that singing to the Lord. And I found something amazing about that piece of worship that singing see when i was in calvary house you know we're working 11 12 hours a day like doing hard work i started kind of getting into the worship song thing and i would literally either whistle or sing songs all day long all day long people used to think it was so annoying but i didn't care because what it did for me it completely changed my perspective about the day like my days were filled with joy I had so much joy throughout the day. Now, not everyone can do that, you know, throughout their day, whistle and sing and, and all, but I was able to, you know, I was able to do it for, for the most part. And it literally would change my perspective throughout the day. It would give me joy. I would be satisfied. It was like literally, I, I remember coming to a place in my mind that, Hey, my mind is so corrupt. Like I need to completely change everything that's coming into it. And that was one of the ways to do it. I'm going to focus on Jesus and sing these worship songs until I believe them. And I had this mindset and eventually I did. I ended up believing these things and it was so, so awesome. Again, it brought me joy, the love of God, the peace of God. And I even start, this is embarrassing. I'd start making up my own songs sometimes. I'd be singing in the sanctuary. It's like a sanctuary of 5,000 people. And I, we, my favorite thing to do ever was vacuuming that sanctuary. It would take literally the whole day. 
but it was so cool. You're just in the sanctuary. There'd be a few other guys with me and I'm back and just singing to God. And it was just such a powerful thing. And again, I'd make up my own songs. Uh, I, w- I would never sing one of those to you, but it was the coolest thing. I saw the power in it. And that's not just me. We see that in the word as well. Um, you don't have to flip there, but in Acts chapter 16, we see Paul and Silas. Uh, Paul just cast out a demon from this girl, uh, this girl that was telling fortunes and the businessmen that were um, using this girl as a business. They get upset uh, and they have Paul and Silas beat and then they have them thrown into prison. And they just got scourged. OK, like that's no joke. And what do they do when they're in prison? They're just singing to God. Their perspective, their perspective about their situation, they weren't like, woe is me. My life is horrible. Man, we're serving God and these bad things happen. No, no, no. Their perspective was this is an opportunity to worship God. And I don't believe that they were doing this for for the, the Philippian jailer that we know gets saved. They were doing it because that's what their perspective. We worship God. No matter what happens, we worship him. So because they had those hearts of worship, they were able to have that perspective. And because they continued in worship, they could maintain that perspective. Worship, literally, it changes our perspective. And another thing, specifically about that singing part uh, of worship, it's one of those spiritual disciplines that I I find... um, more often than not, the most, how can I say this? The Holy Spirit becomes more tangible through worship with me more often than other spiritual disciplines. Now I'll say the spirit will move through prayer. Like I've been in, like knowing, okay, the spirit's always indwelling us. He lives inside of us, He'll come upon us in power and we could operate in gifts. But sometimes we have these interactions with God that you just sense his presence. You ever had that? Like you just sense the presence of God. Like He's always present, but there's like, uh, whether it's we're finally in tune or he's making it known and you just know he's there. Just the holiness, perfection of God. Okay. Ever, ever experienced this? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in worship, uh, sometimes the, the spirit, he, he makes himself known uh, in a very tangible way. So much so that you'll see for many people, it will bring them to this place of emotion. Now, I want to be clear about something because a lot of people will take this, use it out of context and run with it. Uh, but uh, worship is an act of obedience above anything. OK, but there is a truth that emotions during worship, it's not a bad thing. Now, when we're seeking just to be emotional, that can be a bad thing. But when we're seeking God, and we have those encounters and he brings us to that emotional state. That's a good thing. Why? Because we're called to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the soul part of us, okay, uh, there's a few things about the soul. But one of the pieces of the soul is the emotional state, okay, are those emotions. Now, this was so weird for me because uh, in the beginning it was like, dude, I'd find myself like, I know God's here and I'd find myself weeping and I don't know why I'm not sad. I know I'm not sad. All I'd be thinking about is like, oh my gosh, I'm such a wretch and this is who God is and this is what he's done and this is what he's doing and it would just bring me to tears. I think one of the most powerful times, experience like that, um, that you guys know the story is when my brother, 
uh, he got saved. Uh, and then the next day, uh, I got that Ravi Zacharias week three curriculum about creation and God answered the two biggest prayers that I've been praying for the last month. And then that next Friday was a night of worship. And seriously, that night was so powerful. The Lord made himself known to me. I'd never worshiped like that before that, but the Lord made himself so known, like in a very tangible way. It was wild. I was a mess. Like that, that whole time I was a mess. And it's not that you have to be emotional when you worship God. The point is that it's okay to be emotional when you worship God. Okay, that's a piece of, not the entirety, but a piece of worshiping God with our soul. And that's something he desires. My dad, it's the, it's the same thing. He like doesn't know why, but like during worship, he's like, he asked me one day, he's like, I don't know why, but I'm worshiping and like tears are coming out. My dad, like ne- the only time I've ever seen my dad cry in my life was when his mom died ever in my life. But every time, pretty much every single time he worships, he cries. The guy that never cries, but the Lord will bring him to that emotional state uh, because it's like that being vulnerable with God, recognizing who he is and who we aren't. Uh, but it's a very powerful thing. So this worshiping God with our with our lips thing, yes, it definitely can be emotional. It doesn't have to be, but it certainly can be. But we see in the scripture that worshiping God with our lips, it's not just singing. In Romans chapter 1, verse 9. In Romans chapter 1, verse 9. Paul says this, I'll read it for you. Romans 1, 9. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Okay, see, this word serve here is that word letreo. It literally is another word for worship. He's saying, for God is my witness, whom I worship with my spirit in the gospel of his son. Literally, Paul is preaching the gospel to these people, and it's an act of worship. And I don't know if we think about that all the time, but literally sharing the gospel is an act of worship. It's an act of, of service, which is worship. When we share the gospel w- with people, that's an opportunity for us to, to worship God. But it's also important to note the worshiping uh, of God. Uh, if it's going to be with our lips, it's also got to be with our lives as well. In fact, Jesus says this, Actually, he quotes it. Let's look at Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 29, he uses this uh, against the religious leaders. But Isaiah chapter 29, he gets it from here. Verse 13. <clears throat> said, therefore the Lord said, and as much as the, these people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. Look what he says. These people, they draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. See, worship, it's not just lip service. It's not just lip service. It's, it's ultimately about the position of the heart. 
Now, I'm not saying that it's, it's bad to share the gospel or sing to God if, if you're not really in it, but God, more than you do in the outward action, he's looking at the heart. He's looking at the, the inward position of your heart. If there's that desire there, if you want to really be doing the thing that you're doing, because the religious leaders, they were all lip service, but their hearts weren't really in it, though they were externally perhaps serving the Lord in different capacities, their heart wasn't in, wasn't in a place of worship. See, worship, I've said it before, it's not just an event, it's a lifestyle. God, God calls us to have these worshipful lifestyles. Bringing it back, <clears throat> almost done. The proscuneo, proscuneo, again, that throughout the Old Testament and the Septuagint, the Greek, uh, the the Greek Old Testament um, and the New Testament. This is this is the word that's primarily used specifically in the New Testament for worship. Again, I think it was fifty nine times we said, uh, but this is that outward bowing down in surrender, oftentimes kissing one's feet uh, in reverence. See, this was an external action. Right? This was an external thing that the people did. And yes, sometimes their hearts were in it. Sometimes they weren't. Okay? We see even some of that false bowing down, uh, throughout scripture as well. But this bowing down, this proscuneo, it's not just about the outward expression. It's about the heart. See, worship, it goes from the inside out. That bowing down, that surrender, no longer is it an external thing. It's an internal thing. Yeah, it can be an external thing, but it's got to be an internal thing first. What the Lord is calling us to, what Jesus is calling us to, is to have that reverence inside, to have that our hearts are bowed down in submission to Him. It's hard to worship God all day long if we're bowed down on the floor, right? We're not going to get very far. We're not going to get much done. But He wants our hearts to be there. That our hearts would always be bowed down. That our hearts would always be in surrender. That our hearts would, if you will, would be kissing his feet uh, in reverence. So when it is happening in the heart, it will translate to the life. See, <clears throat> when our hearts are set up on set on worship, like I said, our lives are sure to follow. Uh, it's when the proskuneu, that surrender of the heart, meets the latreu, the service. Okay, if you look at Romans chapter twelve. <clears throat> Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service or reasonable act of worship, because that word there, service or worship, is latreo. See, when our heart is in that proscuneo position, that, that, that absolute surrender, that bowing, that reverence, then our lives will be in the Latreo position. Our lives will be set to worship God, to serve God, to literally be bond servants of God because he's our master on the inside and on the outside. But again, it has to affect the inside before it translates to the outside. And when we those two things meet, the proscuneo and the Latreo, when our hearts are bowed down and the service thing is happening, then we're able to have this mentality we're able to walk in what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. This is really the heart of worship, okay? And what we're called to do. Therefore, 
whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Okay? In the biggest sense, the general sense, that's really what worship is. That every single thing that we do, we're bowed in surrender to the Lord. Not just surrender, but we're looking at how things are going to benefit Him. Okay? How is this going to glorify God? How can what, what I eat glorify God? Okay? How, how can it? Tell me. Some, tell me give, how can what you eat glorify God? Give me an example. That's true. Your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, taking care of yourself. Yeah, definitely. What's another way? It's a good one. Anything you think of? In the context, it would be thinking of others how you would stumble them. Right. But think about that. I don't think we I don't think we pay much attention to that nowadays because they're talking about the Levitical law and, and kosher diet and that type of thing. But nowadays, like, what if you have your friend? Because people in this church they go on little like we're doing a little whole thirty thing right now. Like, what if you know your friend? Okay, they're not. They love ice cream, and you know they're not doing it right now. It's like seriously. Do we even consider that? Because it's not just about the kosher law. It's about everything. It's like, if you eat ice cream in front of me, I'm not going to be offended. Uh, but if someone's like, oh, you're causing them to stumble and they're trying to do this thing to, to get themselves in a, in, a, in a healthier position, their body's the temple of the Holy Spirit, do we think about that stuff? Like what we eat, what we drink. Now, drinking, the obvious thing would be alcohol or anything like that, um, it, it, you know, causing someone else to stumble across the board. But I think sometimes we focus so much on the kosher thing that we don't consider, hey, what's my brother or sister walking through right now? Of course, we'd never probably drink, period, uh, hopefully. But um, if you knew someone was an alcoholic, you wouldn't, you wouldn't certainly wouldn't drink a beer in front of them, right? But we look at other things and certain disciplines that people have in their lives and we don't always consider it. See, Paul's saying it's not about what we what we eat per se. It's everything we eat, everything we drink, everything we do. How can I do this in a way to glorify God? And you can get, this is one of my favorite verses in, in like summing up really what worship is, this worshipful lifestyle. But when you look at this, how can I glorify God? And I'm filtering that through my mind in every aspect of my day. What does that look like? Like, okay, for example, I know Kevin, when he goes to work, he looks for opportunities to talk to people about Jesus. I know that, right? Um, <clears throat> I don't know what it is for you. For me, when I go to the gym, I'll look for opportunities to share the gospel. I'll try to help people out. I'll even try to help them out with some direction sometimes because I have knowledge about stuff. Me and Matt, we pray every day. Every time we leave the gym, we pray together. It's just these little tiny things that these, these little things that the Lord's looking at and saying, Hey, no, no, they are set to, to worship me. They are set to, to glorify me and they're looking at how they could glorify me through this situation because we can really do it in any, uh, any circumstance, any setting. But it's just asking yourself, is what I'm doing glorifying God? And, and, and before I'm going to do what I'm going to do, are my intentions to glorify God? Because if that's what we're, our hearts are set on, that's what our lives will follow through with. And the Lord will be glorified through that. <clears throat> As he says, uh, some of these things are, 
or he puts right in front of us. Like he says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, uh, we are his workmanship created uh, for good works that we would walk in them, paraphrase. Uh, so a lot of this stuff, we have these opportunities to worship God with our lives and we just have to look for the opportunities. To sum it up, I think uh, many of us, when we think about worship in context to our culture, it's the four or five songs that we have before a service. Uh, but when we look at what the scriptures say, we see worship is a way of living. It's not just an event. It's not just a singing the songs. It's, it's so much more than that. And there's so many different ways we can worship the Lord. Again, we can worship Him through singing. We can worship Him through praising. We can worship Him through, through sharing the gospel. We can worship Him through all different types of service. We can worship Him with every single decision that we make, really. All for the glory of God. So... <clears throat> What is, and we can use any of these things, um, teaching's done, I just want to ask you a couple questions. Um, what is your worship life like, okay? What is your worship like life? Meaning, look at the singing part. It, it, do you find time in your day or in your week, maybe it's not every day, to literally have time where you're, maybe you're not even singing, but you're, you're meditating, uh, you're listening to, to worship music, you're trying to enter into that deeper level of communion. Do you, do you, do you establish that in your life? Yeah? Yeah? Okay, cool. So with that, help me, somebody I want to share, whoever wants to, all of you could share if you want. When is the last time that you entered into one of those settings and God like made himself known to you? Like in a, in a almost maybe doesn't have to, I use the word tangible. Um, that's a word that I use. It, it's not like he physically touched me, but you know that, that he's there. When's the last time you, you, you experienced something like that? And again, it's not just through worship. We're just talking about worship right now. Gio. I think, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Um, but uh, my wife, Sonia, she's having a hard day. She's um, dealing with some uh, relationship uh, issues, basically, at work. And so um, she was just really like, her heart was really uh, broken for some people. And so uh, she's not in a good place like in her heart. <clears throat> so we were talking about it. And uh, earlier in the day, I had uh, like a late lunch. Because yeah. I wanted to hear her out before I went off to work and stuff like that. And so basically, she's telling me all this stuff, and I'm thinking the whole time, like, Lord, like, I don't know what to tell her. Like, my heart's broken for her because she's she's in this place, but I don't know what to tell her. So like, give me something. And so then this devil came up, and I was like, I just took out the Bible and I I read that sec- section for her. And as I'm reading the section for her, um, the passage, it's like I can't. <laughs> like and I didn't know why. Like I just like started falling. So when Stephen showed up, I was 
<laughs> Did you my think he was getting abused by Sonia or something? Watered, but, you know why. <laughs> but like, I'm sitting there and I'm reading it, I'm reading it, and it's talking about basically about the purpose of Paul for why why did Jesus reveal himself to him and the purpose of it. And so as I'm reading it, like I'm, I'm getting to the end, and it's like, man, like, like I'm I'm literally like crying, and I'm like. <laughs> Right. Showing them up there and yeah, so that's so cool. That's so cool. Oh yeah, I love that. Um that that happens to me sometimes during a teaching and I'm like I gotta hold it in. I can't do this right now. <laughs> Stop, chill. <laughs> Skip that one. Uh no, but that, I know what you're talking about. That's so cool when that happens. Anybody else uh, got an experience like that? Like where you just like knew that that his presence was was right there, you know. We know he's always present; he lives inside of us. But like he made himself known. It's like it was, I think the end of last week, just listening to Casting Crowns and their song "Building the House of Their Dreams," the song that they have. It's yeah. Talking about how they're trying to build this house of their dreams, and they're so caught up in the world and what the world's doing that they're all alone together in their house of their dreams. Oh, cool. And. Uh, Lord just keeps showing me that's the church. Yeah. That's what's going on in the Christian homes is, is everybody's so caught up with what the world's doing. They're growing apart instead of together. Yeah. Their goal is to get together and they're not doing that. Right. And the church, he just keeps showing me this is the church. This is what the church needs. The dads are so busy working and, and doing whatever it is they do. The family's being left behind, but they do it in the name of making the family better. Right. And so Lord's really just been hitting me with that. Yeah. And so I've been like, okay, I'm, I don't know how that's going to turn in. I think it's going to turn into a study somewhere. Yeah. But I'm not sure. But he's just really been showing me right. through that, 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 hey, you know, this is something I've really been praying. Okay, Lord, so how do I fix this? How do I do something about this? So that's kind of where I am. But he's, cool. he just keeps, like, giving me bits and yeah. pieces of it. So, but I know it's him going... There's, there's something here I need you, whether it's through prayer, I don't know, but yeah. there's something here I want you to be aware of. And he's just really revealing that to me. So we'll, we'll see. That's it's so a continual, cool. like, to be continued. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's, that's speaking uh, on, on along those lines. Like lately, um, you this doesn't have to be recorded anymore. Cause you, can you hear them? Yeah? yeah? Okay. Well, then let's do it. Um <laughs> Uh, lately, and I've been really praying about the mission trip a lot, um, and I don't know why I felt led to go to Hosea, okay, and I'm like, oh, anytime God brings me back to the prophets, I'm like shrugging, like, what's he got to say? Um, but it's been cool, though, uh, just the emphasis of of intimacy in the Lord. He calls her, uh, he, he, he calls Israel right after he says, literally, right after he says he's going to punish her, then he says, therefore, I will allure her. Uh, I will speak comfort to her. I'll give her a door of hope. He says all these things. Uh, I'll take her out to the wilderness. She'll no longer call me uh, her master, but her husband. And it was like, that was the point. The Lord was trying to get across it. Like he just wanted that intimacy and it was cool. That was like been the theme. And uh, it continued today as some of the stuff that I was reading. And Elizabeth, uh, she was playing worship music down downstairs. And it was a, a song that actually uh, got brought up the day of our wedding. Uh, it was a worship song. Um, you know, what's it called? I am guilty. You know that one? What's her name? Laura something? Okay, whatever. 
It's so good. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, dude, this is so cool. And now I'm like looking at that like big picture. It's like the simplicity of intimacy with God, just knowing him. It's not about uh, what they were doing. And he talks about like they're, they're sowing these things, but they're sowing wind and they're not reaping anything. Like it's not about all this stuff that we get distracted by. And even ministry sometimes it's the simplicity of knowing him and seeking him intimately. And it was so cool. Like as I'm learning this from the Lord or being reminded of this, I'm hearing the song in the background and she's down there with our son and I'm looking at like the last two years and it's like, it's the same. Like, look, you just keep me in this, you know, you keep me in the middle and you're going to have all these things. Like, look at how much I want to bless your life. And it was just keep it simple. Like simply just seek me. That's it. That's all you got to worry about. And just the, I don't know. It was cool. But I I had an awesome little encounter today. Um, So anybody else got anything? Yeah. Shop, um, working at the shop where we used to play like Pandora and Sean has a channel that's like a worship channel and like we'll play that and just like certain songs like I can think of one that was probably it was a couple weeks ago. Um, I think it's by Lighthouse. It's called Everything. And like I was just going there. It was a tough day and pretty hectic and busy and just like felt like a big burden on me and stuff. But like that song came on and it's like everything I needed and that's what that song is. And yeah. Like, yeah. So basically, like it's love. Yeah. Yeah, that's sweet. Times like that are a bit of a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's I'm blessed to hear that, and I'm glad like that. We're yeah, right. Changed your perspective. Everything, right? It's like insignificant. The other stuff's like doesn't even matter. Yeah. And it's not even like, it's not even like always exactly what he says. It's just because you know, he's there, you know, it's like with Job, Job asks all those questions and, and and he's flipping out and he thinks God's his enemy and God does what? He doesn't answer any of his questions, but what does he do? He makes his presence known to him, doesn't answer any of his questions, but then he's, you know, not that losing his family is he's like everything's good now but everything's everything was much better he was able to get through that and and i think through worship a lot of times yeah it'll be connected to a scripture or a theme or something but it's like nothing matters uh, just because i know he's here with me you know he made his presence known to me and i think that that's such an awesome thing that the lord does that song it is well with my soul yeah mm-hmm. yeah that lost his family on that cruise and that ship that's mm-hmm. crazy yeah, I lost all this stuff, but with my soul, we're all good. Right. And it's just like... Crazy. <laughs> that's not a normal... That can't happen naturally. Yeah. It's a supernatural mm-hmm. thing. It's so cool. Um, well, just uh, being challenged with that personally, um, that's like something I love how... I, I, I love how Elizabeth helps me out with that and puts that music... Because I love, I love worshiping and I'll sing the songs and things like that and I'll just sing songs to myself. Um, <laughs> Yeah, while, while I'm by myself. Uh, but but bringing that aspect, the music, the worship, it, it, it's so important. How we can just have that simple, like, God is here with us presently. Because a lot of times during church services, like, that's 
my act of worship is the letreo for the most part. Like, it's not like I don't get to, there's so much stuff going on and people ask me stuff. I don't get to really focus on the worship stuff. So me even more so, like I have to incorporate that uh, into my life. And, and thankfully, thankfully I, I do have some of that. But through this, I'm just thinking, man, I, I want even more uh, to have it incorporated even more. But again, it's not just about the singing thing uh, and that act of worship. It's about the, the lifestyle thing and doing everything as unto the Lord for the glory of God. So let's just, um, this week, let's just take a week and literally just ask ourselves every decision we make, will this bring God glory or how will this bring God glory? Just ask that. Now, of course, when you brush your teeth, you don't have to, you can if you want, I don't know, uh, get creative and try to glorify God through brushing your teeth if you want to. But just like the decisions that are like, I got to think about this. How can I make a decision? If I don't know what to do, how can I make a decision to glorify God? Or how can I do what I'm going to do in a way to glorify God? Because that's ultimately what the, the worship thing is about as it's described in the scriptures. We have a great opportunity on the mission trip um, to do just that. But even that, it's probably going to be harder because there's going to be times where we're like, I don't care about myself right now. I don't care about God right now. It's like, no, <laughs> you can't think like that. Um, but uh, no, we have a huge opportunity with that. Uh, but everybody here has a big opportunity with that as well every single day. Uh, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the call to worship that you've chosen us to worship you. And uh, I just pray, Lord, that um, we would we would find that time to sing and praise to you, Lord. And when we do, God, that you would encounter us. You would just make us known. Um, whether you, you speak something to us or get a message across or uh, if it's just, hey, uh, you're here with us, Lord, that's enough, uh, God. But, but I also pray that you would just give us those, those hearts of, of, of worship, that we would have worshipful lifestyles, Lord, that everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we eat and drink uh, would be for your glory and, and, and not um, our benefit or our gain, but we would do it. Uh, in a way that would bring you glory, God. So uh, bring those things to mind. Help us think that way. Give us uh, creative ideas if needed, um, Lord. And, and we just pray that that we would see uh, you even more so in our lives because we're choosing to have those worshipful lifestyles. In your name, amen.